Seven, four, four, five, five. These were the numbers that Hans Munzinger saw on a set of documents leaked by an anonymous source about a Russian IT company called NTC Vulcan. No one has ever seen a document before um, where this number was written. The five-digit number identified the military unit Sandworm, one of the most dangerous and notorious hacking groups in the world. Hi, I'm Robert Cribb, director of the Investigative Journalism Bureau. We're a nonprofit newsroom based out of the Dal Lana School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. And this is Heliograph, a podcast examining powerful investigative work done by reporters around the globe. In the literal sense, a heliograph is a device used to photograph the sun. We chose the name because this podcast seeks to capture the brilliance, truth, and light of investigative journalism that's changing the world. We'll examine the stories behind the stories, the lessons learned, and the secrets of some of the world's top journalists. In doing so, we hope to build a playbook for investigative journalism excellence. There's much to explore, and it matters more now than ever. Join us. Hello, I'm Norma Hilton. And I'm Alina Snisarenko. This month, we talked to Hans Munzinger, the lead reporter on a Der Spiegel investigation looking into the leaked Vulcan files. A set of emails and other documents from 2016 to 2021 that revealed Vladimir Putin's secret plans for cyber warfare. The Vulcan files. The Vulcan files. The Vulcan files. What the f*** are the Vulcan files? The Kremlin has always denied being responsible for cyber attacks like these. But now, leaked files give a never-before-seen insight into Russia's cyber warfare tactics. A team of more than 50 journalists analyzed, translated and verified the files for months. 11 news organizations were involved. My name is Hannes Munzinger. I'm an investigative reporter with Paper Trail Media, a small investigative newsroom based in Munich in Germany. And I was the lead reporter at the project The Vulcan Files that we published early this year about a company facilitating the Russian cyber war. The leak revealed that NTC Vulcan, a Moscow-based IT company, provided products and tools to Russia's secret service agencies. These tools were used to incite cyber attacks and acts of political interference. The whole story began with a source reaching out. I was back then a reporter at Süddeutsche Zeitung, a big German daily. I was like going through a mailbox where sources can leave messages, and there was a message saying, I've got information about a company, and I had, hadn't heard the name of this company, NTC Vulcan, and the source said, this is basically a front and the Russian intelligence services hide behind it because of the invasion in Ukraine. I'm angry and I want to share uh, information I have. When you heard that, that source reach out to you, what was your, what was your first thought? 
Of course, I was immediately like triggered by the words Russian intelligence uh, is hiding behind this company, behind a company that no one has ever heard of. And I immediately started to, to dig around and, and see what I can find about them. The source provided an initial set of documents, of files, and that was a good start to get an idea if this is just someone making things up, if this is a trap, or if this is something you can actually prove and work with. And as you obtained these documents from the source, what was the moment where maybe you found a particular finding that made you go, okay, wow? Yeah, I mean, pretty early on, we found a five-digit number on a document, or the source pointed to the document, that said 74455. As far as we know, no one has ever seen a document before um, where this number was, was written. But in the context of, of Russian intelligence services, this is the number of one of the most dangerous uh, military units. Sandworm. 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 Sandworm, which was responsible for some of the most dev devastating hacks in the recent past. On February the 24th, 2022, Russian hackers attacked the satellite company Viasat. Customers all over Europe were hit with an immediate loss of communication, among them the Ukrainian military. An hour later, Russia's invasion began. This was one of the first examples of how cyber attacks can aid military forces on the ground. Russia doesn't have the best rep when it comes to dealing with journalists. You're looking into these very sensitive documents. As you're going through this process, what, what was that like for you? Did you ever feel kind of fearful that you're digging really deep into something that's going to be a huge revelation for the public? It felt less safe when reporting from Ukraine, of course, but overall it was not so much about physical safety than digital. There are almost no borders for cyber attacks and journalists are targets all over the world. So the key to feeling safe was to make an early and realistic risk assessment and uh, yeah, protect myself from digital dangers with appropriate protective measures. Due to the sensitive nature of anonymous sources, Munzinger could not disclose exactly how long the investigation took. He could, however, say it took more than one year to publish the story. One of the things that really struck me about your investigation was obviously the use of the anonymous source. So I was just wondering if you could go through actually verifying the anonymous source and the documents, like what was that process? Yeah, so that's always difficult because you can't say too much about the source if you want to protect the source. You can't let anyone know basically what you know other than that you are pretty sure <laughs> about the information the source gave you. There are also cases where you have sources you, you will never meet or you will meet, but you will never learn about their real identity. And in that case, you need to focus on, on the documents, focus on the material and, and verify as many data points inside a leak as possible. And that was in, in that case, that was very good because we had a lot of emails, for example, uh, from employees. And you can verify all these people. You can call the numbers, you can send them emails. And in the end, we talked to former staffers there. And, and so we've got a good picture that that's not something uh, you could make up, basically. 
talked a little bit about the source. And so I'm just wondering in terms of the documents themselves, it had to be translated from Russian to German, English, I'm assuming. So what was that process like? Pretty painful, but in the end we found a way. It was very important that we had colleagues who were able to read it in Russian and even colleagues with an IT security background and a background in Russia and experts who, who know how these intelligence service uh, works, uh, if the systems that we could see in these documents would fit into the logic of operations there. And all these parts then came together to, to verify the material. No, it sounds very, very complicated and uh, a very grueling process, I can imagine. And so you were saying you had a lot of collaborators and a lot of people be part of the team. We counted the bylines. There were 22. <laughs> and uh, in terms of just organization, really, how did you work with that many people? Yeah, so luckily, we had a lot of experience in working in these, these groups. So we knew the, the principles um, of these investigations and we knew how to, how to make it work which means work with people who, who you can trust, who um, you, in, in the best case, know already and know to be reliable and then start sharing all the things you obtain with all the others and get people moving by, by sharing your own findings. That's, that's what has worked in the past a lot and, and creates like this, this fever to find more and to dig into the stuff. Part of our goal with this podcast is to build a playbook on excellence in investigative journalism. At the end of every interview, we ask reporters to reflect on the larger wisdom and insight gained from these stories and how it's shaped their work. So in terms of the, the complexity of this, of this investigation, what stays with me is that it's okay to be overwhelmed by complex material and, and and the scope of, of such investigations. And it's key to get the good people around you and to collaborate with people that bring all these different powers with them, the things you just can't do alone. That's what was very important in this investigations that we had like people that were reporting on IT security for years, people that had sources and intelligence, people that were able to work with with documents and to bring all the strength in place to, to get through this. Thanks for listening. I'm Alina Snisarenko. And I'm Norma Hilton. Heliograph celebrates and amplifies reporting that creates meaningful change. It reflects the Investigative Journalism Bureau's core values of collaborative and innovative storytelling in the public interest. The IJB is an award-winning nonprofit newsroom. Learn more about our projects and how you can support this work at ijb.utoronto.ca.